Hello and welcome to The Cocktail Hour with me, your host, Erin Folk. The Cocktail Hour is a place where we celebrate the women in business who are shaking shit up. This week, we are talking about starting and growing a business that can sustain through industry and economy changes. This week, our guest is Laura Lee Jones. Welcome, Laura Lee. Thank you, Erin. Thanks I'm for so inviting excited. me. I am too. So I know you've listened to a couple of our uh, podcasts, and just for our listeners, we just jump right into it. We used to do some cute little segments, and all of our feedback was jump right into it. So I'm going to tell everybody who you are, Perfect. and we're going to get started. Laura Lee Jones, CEO and president, founded Lion Share in 1995. She is a graduate of the University of Wisconsin-Madison and has dedicated most of her career to healthcare analytics and marketing. Together with her Best Places to Work award-winning team, Lionshare has achieved national recognition as a leading healthcare firm. Lionshare has guided hundreds of hospitals in their quest to link data analytics to decision insights, better outcomes, and marketing execution with the use of D-I-A-T-A. Diata. Diata. It's all capitalized, so I thought I said the... It's good. These are always so fancy and hard for me to read. Their business intelligence and CRM platform. When not in work mode, Laura Lee enjoys watching her daughter play soccer, working out, or training Dobermans. Well, training Doberman like dogs? Dogs. Oh, wow. Dobermans. Yep. Wow. Well, welcome. I'm excited to have you. Thank you. We I'm have... excited to be here. And thank you for making me feel so welcome, Erin. Oh, absolutely. She won't drink with me, but it's probably good because it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> I have it's a an early, early, early cocktail hour today. <laughs> But you can drink while you're listening to this. So. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going to get her for happy hour sooner than later. So, okay. Well, we've only met really one time briefly. Yes. We were at the same table at a luncheon. Yes. And then we talked on the phone and clicked on the phone. Yes. But so I'm going to be learning about you with all of our listeners. Perfect. And um, I'm going to be learning about you. I'm excited. And I will tell you, a lot of the people that have come on here, they have a lot. Um, I've known them or I've known a lot of people that have known them or they have a lot on their LinkedIn and so I'm able to come up with a topic really fast of like what what some stuff we can kind of talk What's about. What's our topic? So our topic is starting and growing a business that can sustain through industry and economy changes. Because what I found on you that I thought was the most fascinating, because I had to really research, is you've had your business for 19 years. 23 now. 23. Yep. Since 95. Yep. I founded our whole yeah. article. 1995. <laughs> right. Okay. Yep, 95. 23 years. We're Which in our means you've been year. through everything, right? The tech changes, yep. you're in marketing, so yes. all the marketing changes, yes. the economy ups and downs. Yes, and so ups I, and downs. I yes. want to get into all of that Perfect. here soon. But let's just talk about you, who you are, how you ended up here. So, uh, from Kansas City? I grew up in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Okay. Went to school in Madison. Yep. Um, from college, I moved out to Boston and was okay. there a few years and then to Kansas City in the mid-80s. And how do you end up in Kansas City? I was married to Ian Jones, and we went to college together, moved to Boston together, and he was an electrical engineer and with two other buddies um, started a company that serviced the rail industry, okay. and Kansas City is a huge rail hub. So the decision was, once this company started, what city should we be in that has a lot of railroad action? And it was Chicago or Kansas City, and we decided Kansas City. How do you decide Kansas City over Chicago? Because we grew up in the north, yeah. and it was really cold, mm -hmm. <laughs> and we knew Kansas City had milder winters for the most part, although this is a long winter this, <laughs> this year. Winter, yeah. So that's how I ended up in Kansas City. I think Chicago's City. still getting it worse this yeah. winter, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that that's how I ended up here. And you were just like totally in it. So you were supporting your husband's career. Yes. Yes. And I was early on. Yep. Okay. And although I had my degree in um, psychology and social work, I had 
pursued that for a number of years um, in the Boston market and then one day came home and said, I'm just not happy and I want to train dogs. Okay. So I actually was, we were in Boston and he was a successful engineer then. And I went and begged my way into a job at an academy that trained dogs for the Boston police officers. Oh, wow. So I got in there and I was there about a year when Ian decided that we needed to get out of Boston and he wanted to start this company. So I left my dog training and came mm -hmm. here and okay. I started doing it here as well for a short time, but quickly figured out that we have to support ourselves. And so I got a job at a marketing company. What is that what you had studied in college? I studied social work and psychology, oh. but I just, I liked okay. marketing and I filled out an application back then and yeah. got the job. Like went in and yep. physically filled Physically, it yes. Not what online. What did you think about living in Boston being from Wisconsin? Because I lived in Boston for one month. Fun fact. One yes, month. I one month. I um, I like Boston. Mm -hmm. I loved Boston. I met some great lifelong friends. It was very challenging to get into friendships there, mm -hmm. um, it, especially with women. They seemed very closed. But I mean, in the 80s. Uh, so I hung out with a lot of men and my husband's friends until I got connected. At it. When I was started to work there, then I got connected with some friendships. But when I wasn't working, it was, pretty, it was challenging. Yeah. But I loved the community. I went to the Cape every weekend. My friend had a little house on the ocean. And yeah, it was, it was lovely. Like you're from the East Coast. Yeah, anyways. I kind of have. A, yeah, yeah, a lot. Yes. <laughs> so yes. I feel like you probably fit in a little bit better than I yes. did in Boston. I was I have like, a little my feelings were hurt all the time. Northern <laughs> nasal from Wisconsin. Yeah. And then also just a little bit of that Boston stuff. <laughs> so growing up in Wisconsin, anything, I mean, were, was your mom working? or? Yep, my mom was a career okay. woman. Okay. She was a nurse. She was a private um, scrub nurse for a very prominent heart surgeon. She had a very long, great career. Uh, my dad was in the financial world, credit union and banks and things like that. Mom three and dad sisters. The whole time? Yep. Three sisters. Oh, I have three sisters. Well, actually, my real father passed away when I was young, and then my mom married Ron, okay. and he adopted all four of us. So there's four girls in my family. God and bless Ron. Yes, huh? Ron is a saint. Yes. <laughs> what, yeah. did, did you, how old were you when your dad passed away? Uh, six. Six. So yeah. did you realize that? I mean, were, are you. Were you old enough to remember all of that yes, happening? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. he was in an accident, and I, I remember all of that. And I don't, um, I don't remember it being horribly tragic yeah. because I think I was so young and I didn't really comprehend. Yeah. Um, and then, fortunately, just a few years after he passed away, my mom met Ron, and he really is a superhero. He's just like this amazing man that adopted all of us, and we just had a great middle class upbringing. How did your mom do four girls? For those few years, by four girls in five years. Yeah, um, herself. Yeah, she's amazing. Like she, I love my mom. I love my dad too. My mom, I talk to her almost every day. I call her. She's eighty-four, and she's Aww. just a pillar of strength and sanity and love. And do you remember those years she was single mom? A little bit, yes, a little bit. Not, not a whole lot about what it. What number were you out of the four? Three. Three. So Three. you were one of the younger ones. Yep. So she had a couple yep. older yep. hands. Yeah. For just five or six, if you guys were four and five years. Yeah. Right? We're, we were young. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. So Ron adopts you. Yep. You go to college. Is that yep. where you meet Ian? Yes. I met Ian there. Okay. Yep. So you guys started dating in college. And then we did. And we, I got married when I was 23. And did you move to Boston for his career as well? Yes. Okay. I did. So is that kind of where you thought up until, right, um, when you start in the marketing um, world, had you seen yourself as somebody that would 
follow their husband's career? Probably yes. Yeah. I don't think I gave it a lot of thought. I think I was young and didn't really think about it a lot. Yeah. But it did seem, because he had the electrical engineering degree, that that might make more sense to follow his career than mine. Yeah. Okay, cool. So then you end up in Kansas City. Yep. In marketing. Yeah. And then what does that look like? Um, it was great. It was a small little company. Define what kind of marketing you were doing then. So I think still healthcare. Yes, it's a big okay. word. It is a big word. I agree. Um, healthcare marketing. Okay. So speaking to marketing departments across the United States in hospitals and healthcare systems and helping them um, do better communication in their communities. Okay. And most of it was around direct mail. Back then, direct yeah. mail was very big, and it's it's big still now, and it's coming back even more um, again. But it was, how can we help you find people that have moved into your community, uh, new mover programs, telling them about, here are the services at the local hospital. They want to have a relationship with you. So that kind of marketing. So Just healthcare. a local company out of Kansas City. Yep. A small cool. local company out of Kansas City. It was small. I was the second person there um, when I left, just shy of 10 years. Uh, I think we were 20 or 25 people. You worked there 10 years? Yep, just shy of 10 wow. years. So. And then why did you end up leaving? Uh, I was terminated. Okay. <laughs> now, I can't really say the word fired. Yeah. I was given the opportunity on a Friday afternoon to leave the building. I was locked out, and I was given an agreement to sign. It was a non-compete. It was very strict and very lengthy. At the end, they had you sign the non-compete um, on your way out? Well, I was, well, yeah, I was escorted out and given the opportunity to read this and make a decision in two weeks. Either I signed the agreement or I would be terminated. So, and I, I would have been very happy to sign a non-compete, but this one, at the same time as I was working there, I had a dog training school, and I was doing that in the evenings and on the weekends, and it was a very restrictive agreement, and two things would happen if I signed it. One, I couldn't maintain my dog training school, which seemed ridiculous, and two, they could change my commission schedule the next day, and I was doing very well in the 80s and making some good money. Is that and why it got to this point? I, th I think so. I, I, you know, I don't really know. And when I was younger, I used to have a lot of suppositions and reasons yeah. why I think they got rid of me. But now I just think they were silly because, like, I, I'm, a, I'm a good better. worker. <laughs> I'm a good worker. But to be somewhere for 10 years, it, it usually comes down to I've run sales teams and agencies before. And essentially, I looked around one day and said, they cut my commissions a bunch right. of times. And I said, I'm the only one. I was the I'm only doing the work. I'm, doing. I'm supporting all these yes. salaries. Why yes. don't I do this on my own, right? So I, did, I had no aspirations, okay. none, to start my own company. Seriously, I was, Ian had his own company by then. They had 150 employees. Oh, wow. Like he was doing very well. And I loved my job. I loved what I was doing. I loved my coworkers, my clients. So there, I never, I would still be there today if I wasn't escorted out of that building. I firmly believe that. So I went home, I told Ian, I cried for 24 hours, and he said, compete. And I said, I don't know what you mean. He said, yes, you do, compete. You ran the company almost 10 years, you know how to do it, hang a shingle, name your company and go do it. It's crazy to me that they would have you sign a non-compete at the end. Like, I can't imagine most people. And since I managed that company, everybody yeah. I hired signed a non-compete. It just, this was a very different, it wasn't a two-page non-compete. Yeah. It was very restrictive. It covered the whole United States. It just, oh, it wow. just was not, I think they, I think really they thought I would leave. Yeah. And I think I would leave and I would ride off on my Harley, which is what they told people I did. Oh, so um, they didn't count on me to start lion share and capture the lion share of the clients that I worked with for 10 years. So that was my goal. 
So within that day, that Friday afternoon, when do you start Lion Chair? Uh, the following Thursday at noon. <laughs> I had a I had a logo designed. I had okay. a building rented. I had my pitch, and I had my list of clients that I was going to call when I turned in my resignation. I went back in and got my things out of the office and gave them a very professional resignation. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'll see you in the marketplace. And I walked out. And I had a cell phone back then. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I got, I know, it was a big deal. <laughs> it, it was a big cell phone. Yeah. Got in my car, and I called a client. That Which was, was an expensive call, I'm sure, It was. Right? It was right like, you know, 67 cents. <laughs> um, something crazy like that. And called, and I said, hey, Liz, I just left my company. Um, don't sign that contract. If you'd like, I can do that whole thing for you. And so I signed a contract that, that, that afternoon for $65,000. Oh, wow. And then it was just like, I'm off. Just off after yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, so I want to... Um, I want to circle back to this because one of the things people like about our podcast, right, is that the feedback I get is that they get to see the real side of real successful women, right? And so what are the immediate emotions? You said you cried for 24 hours, right? Yes. And then what what changed in you from turning to cry to all of a sudden I'm just – I mean, even the name you give your company, right? You told me before this started. Yeah. People why you said lion chair. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big – yeah, few. Yeah, <laughs> like um, nobody can see that. So tell them what you're saying. <laughs> so, so sadness covers anger. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I've learned. So I cried because I've not been fired. I, I'm not. I'm not pushed off of teams. I'm. I f- consider myself a strong team player. I like building teams. I like being on teams. And so once I moved through that sadness, and it didn't take me very long, yeah. and, and Ian was a big proponent of me and who I am and reminded me of that, my mother too, also. Okay. And and my dad just said, you can start a company. You, you can do anything you want, Laura Lee. So um, the anger came after the sad and the anger fueled my career. Like I can do this. I know how to do this. I've I've grown a successful company and I should do it and I should treat people the way I want to be treated that that work for me. Work with me. It's not even for me because it really is team. Do you think had that not happened because you said you were there 10 years and you might not do you think you really probably would have worked your entire career there? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So essentially they did you a favor. Yes. Right? I I completely see it as a favor. Now? Yes. Now that we're And it was in short order that I saw it as a favor. It was less than a year. Is that company still around? I'm not going to ask you. Uh, yes, they are. I won't. Yeah, they <laughs> I'm won't not going to ask you. Um, Sorry, I'm not yes, ask you who they yes, are. they are still around. I don't see them at any of the healthcare um, I was trade shows say, anymore. What, but over the years, have you ran into them? Yeah, over the years. Like? Yeah, in fact, ten years after I left, I was sitting in a seminar with like 400 people, and there was a seat next to me opened, open, and the the gentleman that owned that other company just we I don't even know where we were, Chicago, Atlanta, happened to be there, sat down next oh to me. God. It was so funny because the speaker came out and said. Ten years ago, I was fired, and that's why I'm here speaking today. And so I looked at this gentleman, my old boss, and I said, how weird is it that that happened to me ten years ago? So it, it, But you it's guys good. have a cordial relationship then. A uh, cordial, yeah. That you can say yeah. that. And yeah. Daddy no. didn't switch yeah. seats when he saw yeah. you. Yeah. I'm not angry. I, you know, I wish him the best. Yeah. Um, did they ever try to come after you legally after you made the yeah. phone call? Yeah, I got, yeah, I got a couple cease and desist letters, yeah. but I hadn't signed anything, so... And I was all lawyered up already, so I, yeah, I was good. Do you ever see yourself as owning a business, like when you were a child or in college? Did you ever think that was something you'd do? Um, I don't think I thought of it in terms of 
owning a business, Mm -hmm. but I knew from a very early age that I liked leading. And I can remember being five or six in the backyard and leading a parade with all the neighbor kids and their dogs. And that I literally had built these little rings and I had all these plans of where dogs were supposed to be and who's jumping what and who's, and I, I remember vividly thinking, I like this. I like leading and so yeah. it was kind of deep down. Yeah. It just took I, it there. I think it's in you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And did you have anything to do with growing Ian's business or did you just focus on yours? Yeah. Uh, mostly mine. Yeah. So I really didn't help at all. Yeah. He had two partners and they, he did his and I, I grew mine. Um, I'm having a hard time right now. My husband opened a business six months ago. I'm having a hard time keeping my hands out of it. Yes. That's why I asked yes. you that only, only help when you're asked. No, he's never asked. And they, they worked long, hard hours. So yeah. a lot of times I'd bring lunch in on Saturdays or things like that. I'd grab sub sandwiches. But I did that kind of help. Are you still married? Um, I am not married. Ian passed away. Oh, wow. When um, he was 40. Okay. And how that, many years had you guys been married? Uh, 14 years. 14. He had uh, an awful disease, a blood disease, blood cancer. Um, and then I met Keith. Okay. And I uh, married Keith. Okay. We had a daughter, Eden, and Keith and I got divorced last year in 2018. Okay. After being together about 20 years. And then your daughter just went to college, right? She did. Yeah. Because yep. I was talking to you like That's the day right. she went. Yep. She's a soccer player. Okay. Yep. Super, super fun. Is she local fun. around here? Avila. Avila University. So that's around here. Yes. So does she still live at home with you? Um, she lived in the dorms the first semester and okay. then just moved back home in December. Because it really is so, nicer at home, right? <laughs> well, yeah. It's, well, it's nicer at home. And I mean, we had a hard year in 2018. Um, going through a divorce is a big challenge. And it was hard on me and it was hard on Eden. So, yeah. Yeah. So being together was important to us. But no kids with Ian. No kids with no Ian. No kids with nope. Ian. Okay. No. Nope. Are you still close with his family? I am. His father passed away a few years ago. His mom just had her birthday last Friday, and he has a sister, Vanessa, and I'm still in contact and close with them. Okay. So let me ask you these questions. Like you said, just tell me no if you don't want to answer. But I find this fascinating because you're our third widow that's appeared on this show. But you're the first one that has married after that, right? The other two are more recent. Um, one has since been engaged since she's been on the mm-hmm. show. That's awesome. Um, and another one, it was just a year ago, yes. so she's still processing everything. How long was it between Ian's um, death to when you met your, your second Very husband? short. Very short. Yeah. Um, how did Ian's family and how did that transition look to them? How were you able to navigate that with their family? Wow, you're making me think about some stuff. Well, I like I think- that you're so real. It's easy to cut off the family if you divorce, right? Yeah. Yeah. But with that, you were probably still close with them. So before Ian, you're getting, you're getting the real Laura Lee Jones right here, I'm right now. I'm excited about it. Um, before Ian got sick, we had decided to divorce okay. because he made the decision he didn't want to have children. Oh. Okay. So we were never out of love and we did go through the paperwork and I was going to a sperm bank. <laughs> Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I wanted to be a mom. Yeah. And that's and it was in that time frame that he found out about this disease. So I kind of stayed and supported. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a really it was a hard, hard time period. And then I met Keith, didn't stop going to the bank, and got pregnant with Keith. How old were you that you were going to the sperm bank? 39. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
you look much younger than that. Oh, you're super than I sweet. You were. That's why I'm wondering because I was you're like, you had to be like 25 going to. Yeah, you're so super no. sweet. No. Okay, so yeah, you, the so 40, you the number 40 was scary to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm 39 yeah. right now, and I just got married. Never. Yeah. Are you having kids? I'm like, I haven't even thought it through. Yes. I mean, I have my own, but not with my husband. Right. right? Um. So was that? Well, let's just get into that. So when you met Keith, was that one of your first required questions? Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Kind of, I was very him. direct. As you can tell, I'm very direct. Yeah. So, yeah, I told him I was going to how, the sperm what was it, How did you meet Keith? Um, I was going out with a few girlfriends that thought it was important for me to go out. And yeah. it was her birthday, and I was pulling into a parking lot. And to a friend and I said rolled down my window and I said hey are you guys leaving I need a parking spot (laughs) and he said and he said maybe and I said hey it's a yes no question you know it's not it's not a maybe you're either staying or you're leaving and he said they were leaving because the club downtown was really boring and there was a cover charge so they told us to go somewhere in Westport and so we parked and my girlfriend said let's go there let's go there so we went there and walked in the bar, and he was he was really nice, kind gentleman. And he said, hey, can I buy you ladies a, a beer? And I said, no, I don't want anything. I don't want to talk to you. I want no conversation. <laughs> I want no beer. Yeah. And I went to the back to play pool, and he came back and slammed him down a beer and said, I can see right through your hard-ass oh, wow. stuff, so have a beer and let's talk. But dating at 39 is completely different, right? I don't, I don't even think I dated. I mean, yeah, he was the first train out of the station. <laughs> As my high school buddy tells me, I didn't date. So Are you date- dating yet? No. So you're really. Uh, I'm looking around I a mean, little she's bit. She's not opposed to it. Yeah. If you have a brother or yes. a husband. Yeah. Or not a husband, a brother. Or <laughs> yeah. or a, oh, an uncle. That'd be No, cool. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, but I was, really I was taking. Then. No, I, I really didn't. Did you had college? Yeah. I mean, maybe. I did some kind of stuff in college. Yeah. I'm not sure we'd call that dating no. either, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we no. do. But like, I had some high school boyfriends and yeah. I had a couple boyfriends before. Um, Ian, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm wow. just now excited about this chapter in my life. I was taking care of myself and my daughter and, yeah. and so your daughter is dating probably as well. She is. She has a boyfriend Okay, and he's adorable and I love having him around. So it's good to go on double dates. We will maybe, <laughs> maybe, right? Yeah. Um, was it hard for, uh, Keith, right? Keith's yes. second husband. Was it hard for, because it sounds like Ian was such a cheerleader for you, plus he was somebody yes. you could do business stuff with, yes. like talk business yes. with, right? Was it hard for Keith when you guys first got together, because by then you have your own company, yes, and you're being su- you're successful. And I have company. had some, yes. At, at this point, yes, when you started, I was. Keith, is it hard for Keith to be with a woman that pretty much is also playing the alpha role? Um, that is a hard question, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, um, but I think yes. I think it's hard. I do think it's hard because mm-hmm. our, I think our society is very, it's challenging for men and women. So men are taught to be strong, do this, be the financial you know, wherewithal for the family, yep. and women are, it's different now than when I was younger. Um, so I was interested when you asked that question, did I plan to have my own big career or yeah. anything? Um, so I think it is hard. I think it's hard when a woman is strong and confident and knows what she wants and knows how to go do it. So remember, I cried for 24 hours. Yeah. And then I said, F you. Yeah. I'll see you in the marketplace. And I really, the, the anger fueled that passion. I'm, I'm a passionate person anyway. Mm-hmm. And when I decide to do something, I usually go and do it full out. But I think I think that's hard. Yeah. Because our, our societal norms are still not that. 
Yeah. You know? Well, and it even just seems between the two relationships, right? Like, well, and you were yes. with Ian for so long. So then and the very different upbringing from both of those families. Okay. But very different upbringing. Um, Ian was uh, British and blue blood, and, you know, education was very important. And Keith's family, education was important, but they were more, um, they, they weren't as into the education, and, and I guess careers weren't as big in their family. Yeah. You know? Let's talk about education, right? So mm -hmm. you have a degree doing nothing. You have a degree that yeah, has, nothing has nothing to do with what you're yeah, doing. The psychology piece and people might maybe, but yeah. A little bit. Yes. But you didn't see when you got that degree right. going into marketing, right? So right. now that your daughter is in college, how important was her making that college decision? Did you push for her to go to college beforehand? Or did you, does she know what she wants to do? Or is she kind of exploring it? What was that conversation after going to college, yes. following your husband for a little while yes. before figuring out where you really fit in? What was that as a, as a parent? Like, yeah. So in, in my family, four girls, we all have college degrees. So that was, you know, that was something in my family that was important. Mm -hmm. So I did urge Eden to go to college and we've, we've talked about it. We saved for it for a long time. Um, and Keith and I were really good about saving for that. So we both wanted her to have a college degree. Um, she liked soccer and has played club soccer and high school soccer. And so we were fairly certain she would get a soccer scholarship too. Yeah. And so she that was probably more important to her at that time was continuing to play soccer than the college education. But I, I think she we always talked about it so much that it was sort of a no-brainer. It was where are you going to go to college and where do you want to play soccer at? Yeah. Um, she has decided on early education, uh, like kindergarten or first grade. She loves children, and I think that's going to be her path. That's what she's studying right now. Um, but I have encouraged her to just get a degree in anything because you can always go get another degree, or you can, if you're a learner, you want to understand different things. So Okay, so this fascinates me because I have total opposite views on this, yeah. right? Because I went to college, had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't either when I went. Well, I thought <laughs> I, don't I did. I have a degree. Yeah. I have all the student loans because yep. my parents didn't pay, <laughs> uh, right? So I've got all the student loans yep. I'm still paying with no degree doing something that was not around social media was not around right in college right now, there are different types of things like you know I yes. did the psychology classes I did all of that for the few years I was there but um so I have a different mindset on this where my kids aren't ready for this yet my son's 12 my daughter's yeah. will be seven in a couple of weeks but we're already sitting I mean we're saving for college but we're already sitting in a spot like if they're not 100% sure or even 80% sure, right. I want them to take a year off and go experience some of those things. Or let's start talking about the trades. And maybe if it's just they want a paycheck yep. to be able to follow, they're both like play ukulele, yeah. guitar, right? Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah, follow their music, their artistry. What are your thoughts on how expensive college has gotten for those people that aren't the 80 plus percent sure, yeah. right? Um, it it is a little bit frightening mm -hmm. to know how much college costs these days. And fortunately, Keith and I immediately, when Eden was born, just started saving. Like we just took that out of our paychecks. And it was a crazy how much it added up after 18 years. Yeah. So it was a priority for us. And we were fortunate enough to be able to make it a priority. Really, sitting where I'm sitting right now at 58 years old, life is super fast. Yeah. And do you have to have a college education to get through life and be successful? Absolutely not. 
what I thought college represented or, and still represents is the ability to learn, to whether you're paying for it or someone pays for it or, or a, a scholarship, it's you're able to meet deadlines, meet goals. And that for me was, was what made college be important. If my daughter came home tonight and said, Mom, I hate it. I don't want to play soccer anymore. I'm miserable. I don't want to go to school. I want to draw and paint, which she is an artist. Oh, cool. I would say you should do whatever makes you happy. And I really do mean that. What if she said, I want to be an entrepreneur? I would say go for it. Would you? Because yes. I ask a lot of entrepreneurs this question. Half say no way. It's yeah. too hard. Half say yes, go for it. Yeah, Here, here's the good stuff about being an entrepreneur. You get to make choices. You're the mm -hmm. picker. You are the picker on everything. Here's the bad news about being an entrepreneur. You're the picker. You get to pick who to fire, who to hire, all of that stuff. Um, if you have tax issues or, you know, there's there's HR issues. Like yeah. there's crazy people out there and you do whatever you can to yeah. not hire them. And guess what? They end up in your boat. Yeah. And you got to get them out. Learning those lessons. <laughs> right. It, it's part of it. And um yeah, being an entrepreneur is great. It is not for everybody. Let's segue into this. So you've had your business 23, 23 years, years in marketing, mm -hmm. which is a very easy budget cut companies. Yep, cut. We, a we lot. Both know that, right? So the minute stuff starts not going well inside the company, no matter how great you're doing for the company, it's an easy line right. item to cut. How, what, give me what the easiest part of this 23-year journey has been, and then give me an example of one of the most difficult parts of this journey, and then we'll get to 2008 and how you sustain that. Um, let me ask, can I answer that first? Yes. 2008, I bought bracelets for the whole company that said, we are not participating in the recession. Nice. And so I just had this mindset, and I we said it every day, and we wore these bracelets, and I said, there is money out there. It might be harder to find. And we're just, we are not participating in the recession. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think we grew 8% that year. Wow. So um, so mindset, this is where I'm, I'm getting to. Yeah. So um, I think the easiest thing that ever happened was that day I walked out and I called Liz in New York City and I said, I'm on my own. Can I have that contract? And she gave it to me. That's probably, <laughs> that is pretty good, right? It's literally, I was like, we, we can, I can do this. This is, we're going to be okay here. Yeah. Um, the hard things, um, some of the hardest things are uh, terminating an employee that had cancer. Um, I knew that her health benefits were through my company, um, but she was lying about the hours she was working from home and took advantage of me and my, my good heart and the rest of the team, and I had zero tolerance for that. That was probably one of the hardest things I had to do. Yeah. Firing people is not easy. Um, no matter how much you don't like them, right? Well, and people just make stupid choices, yeah. and, and somehow that's our fault, right? And I, I have a great little place to work. It's not perfect, but I really do understand that you have to spend 40 hours, and actually at Lineshare, it's only 38 hours a week, mm -hmm. and I want to make it a good environment. Um, but you get taken advantage of. And I, when I was younger and more of a bleeding heart, I let that happen longer and more frequently. And now I just have pretty much a zero tolerance. I, you get one warning with me and then go be on somebody else's team. I'm looking yeah. for A players that want to be an A player, that want to be at Lionshare for those 38 hours and give it to Lionshare while they're there. How do you avoid being called a bitch when you become like that, right? Because I feel like 
a lot of times when you become like that as yep. a woman and you're just like, I don't have tolerance for it. There's no, had you been a man, yep. there'd be a lot of, oh, no, he means business. Yep. How, when you do that as a woman, they call you a bitch. Yep. How do you get, how do you avoid, because I haven't heard anyone call you a bitch. Um, I've heard really great things about you. No yeah. one's called you a bitch. So how um, did you avoid that? I think that what I've worked on is the balance between directness and a little bit of softness. And I'm only now at 58 really understanding how healthy it is to speak your truth. So I've always spoken my truth, but I haven't always spoken it in a soft way. So your truth is your truth. And when you don't speak your truth, then you build up resentment and it's going to come out some way. It comes out at home. It comes out with another employee. So um, I'm sure plenty of people call me a bitch. I mean, I'm in a male-dominated industry. Yeah. Um, when I'm in, in, on a panel with all men, they don't always like what I ask or the questions the way I answer them. So I'm sure I, I'm different. I sound different, and I'm supposed to. I'm a woman. How do you not let that get to you then? That Maybe that's a different version of the question. If you think people are calling you that just because you are right. being out there. Right, direct. How do you not let that affect keeping in that in your belief in doing that well and i don't want to sound like i'm perfect it does affect me yeah. I'm, I'm human and i have feelings but i also know how hard i work to be genuine and authentic and make decisions that are best for the whole company and so when i go home at night and i look in the mirror and i put my head on my pillow i say How'd you do today, Lorley? And there might be days when I say, Phew, I didn't do that great right there. I need to correct that. I need to make an apology. Um, I just don't let it affect me. Because um, I can't control what yeah. other people think of me. I can only, I can only control how Lorley feels about Lorley. And I know when I do things in a good way, and I know when I can improve. Have you always been this authentic? I have always been this authentic. Okay. So I think right now, so I thought that would be the answer. So that leads to my next question. I think authenticity right now is awesome, right? People yes. are really open to it. Yes. I don't think they were open to it in the 80s I and agree. 90s. What was it like navigating who you were when people weren't ready for all of that? It's challenging. It's yeah. still challenging. Um, I've all, and I don't know how I, I mean, if you ask all my sisters and my mom and my dad, they'll just say she's just always been a little bit out there and whatever that means yeah. to anybody. I... Um, I think I just have a little bit of I don't really care. And I think it, it hurts me in some of my relationships. Yeah. But I really, I just don't care. I'm not answering to a lot of other people. I'm answering to my daughter. I'm answering to God. And I'm answering to my family and friends. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if I have a good answer for you, Erin. Well, I like it because I'm very authentic, right? But you are, I'm... which is why I think we connected. <laughs> yeah. We clicked. We were just chatting up a storm the first time we talked. But people do push back. But I think I'm also lucky to be doing it right now in a very when people are more open to it than yes. ever, right? That's why. Well, it's fun to be around someone who's a little bit crazy yeah. and a little bit fun, right? But isn't it weird that we call authentic? And I do. I do it all the time, too. So that, um, that we associate being authentic or being ourselves with a little bit out there. Yeah, what if we crazy, draw outside the lines? Yeah. What what if we sing in the hallway? Yeah. Like I, people at my office are like, oh, there she goes. Did someone give her caffeine today? Oh my God, I sing around here all the you time, know. don't I, John? Yeah. <laughs> no. John's laughing. Like, like we're laughing. here to be happy. We, yeah. we are supposed to be here waking up, smiling, and being joyful. And it is not easy. It is not easy. And then maybe it is. Maybe it is just this little switch we flip in our head that say, says, I'm picking this today. This yeah. is what I'm picking today. So 
Kansas City, so you have been playing in this woman CEO role for over 20 years in Kansas mm-hmm. City, right? Um, before the podcast started, we were talking about how supportive women in Kansas City yes. are of other women. When do you really see, just through the, the navigation of how business has changed, right, when do you really see that we started focusing on, um, so a little back history, we had the founder of Central Exchange on our podcast yes. a couple weeks ago, yes. right? And so she was living in a time where nobody was, you, she right. was usually the only woman in the room. Where do you think over that 23-year span it really turned into where Kansas City became one of these cities that women were supporting women, there were organizations really, because coming in as a business owner just two and a half years ago as a woman, I could go anywhere and be supported by women, right? There are a million organizations. There are. There's a million different. It's hard to pick. Yeah. You've really got to figure out who to uh, spend your time with when your time becomes a little less um, available, right? So when do you think that that shift happened in Kansas City through your career? So um, what I have felt, so I've almost always felt pretty supported. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some players in Kansas City. Um, Joyce Hayhow with the Business Journal, Sherry Turner. Uh, there, there are a, f- a couple of women that I met, and Michelle Robin, too, um, even though Who she's younger than me. Yes, yeah. Michelle, Dr. Michelle Robin. There are women that that is innate in them is to help others and especially help women. And so I think they were instrumental in getting like the women who mean business going, um, the women's enterprise. I'm trying to think of all these organizations. You're a part of the women who mean business, right? Yes. And and that you you get in in these groups and they really are there to support each other. So I I don't feel... like I, there was ever a month or a year where I was like, oh, I need to be supported by women. The Hellsberg Entrepreneurial Program is also very supportive of women. Barnett Hellsberg wants yeah. to help women entrepreneurs. So there, there are places to go and yeah. get this help. Um, a lot of times what I found is I, I was sought out. People found out I, I owned a company and I was growing that company. And early on, I went for every award you could get, you know, 25 under 25. Kelly Scanlon's very supportive of women in Kansas City. I tried to win every award. Kelly Scanlon is now my Katie Bean, right? Yes, yes. Like, so all yes. these names now is like Stacey Proctor yes, at the Business yes. Journal. Yes, and Stacey, so, yeah, yeah, also took as there now that Joyce is gone. But yeah. there are women that um, are foundational in Kansas City. And those in the years I've been having a business, those are the women that I bumped into that held me up and and helped when I was needing help. Can we talk about awards for a minute? Because this is probably yes. this is probably going to blackball me from every yes. award in the city. It's all right. But it's okay. I'm willing to right. put my career out there. What I want to ask you your thoughts, and then I'm going to give you mine, and then we'll find a middle spot because I think we have different. You said in the beginning you went for every award. What are your thoughts on having a company that's growing and winning those awards? Important? Not important? Um, less important now mm-hmm. to me at my age. Um, the only re- the only award I want to win again is best places to work because that's indicative of how people feel at your organization. Mm-hmm. And I do believe if they're happy at work, your clients are happy. Um, I, I think it's easier to work together with people that are happy at their job. Um, a lot of the awards, um, like the creative awards we won or a website award or something like that, I, I, I just think they're less important. And I don't know if they really are or if that's just my opinion now because I've chased them all. And that isn't what brought me happiness. That's not what brought Lionshare success. What brought Lionshare success was good client service. Yeah. Okay. Having people at the company that love their job, they love on the clients, and that's how you grow. And that's how you pay. And the they bills, do what right? they say. And they, yeah, and they do what they say they're going to do. 
So we kind of actually have a similar. So we've been nominated for a couple awards. Most of the nominations we don't even qualify for. Um, we're just now starting to qualify because of how long we've mm-hmm. been in business, right? Um, and we've taken a firm stance that we have so much client work that I just don't want to waste our time currently. It takes time. On filling out the applications, our funds on, you know, doing And some of you have to pay $250 yeah. to fill out the application. <laughs> and, and so I've been like, let's just, let's just keep growing the company and focus internal and then people start, you know, if like, yes. if they want to give us an award just because they think we're doing good, yes. that's great. But I don't want to go compete for awards. Yes. And I have found that you're probably the first person that has answered kind of similar to me, where most people are like, but you need that for exposure. And I don't know if it's because we're in marketing. Well, there, and there is exposure, yeah. right? I mean, when you are winning an award, there's publicity in the journal and in the newspaper. I mean, you get you get publicity. So there is there is good to that. Your name gets yeah. out there. Um, but, but I'm a salesperson. So I don't yeah. wait for an award. I mean, that's right? just it's not, a long it's process not, to get out there. Yeah, it's. I mean, our our meet a client or meet a prospect to become a client can be three years sometimes. And yeah. so an award that I won ten years ago isn't going to get me there. And you guys are national, right? We are national. So awards in Kansas City are less meaningful yeah. to a national company than a local company. Than a local company. Are you doing? Are you going for the best places to work through Inc? Is that what the one you want to win? I ha- no, um, it's the, uh, isn't it with the Kansas City? Business I don't know, but journal? I think it's business journal. Ink. It's a business journal. We could try that too. One. Yeah, because but I haven't tried. I, we haven't won it in a few years, and okay. I haven't. It hasn't been a priority. Ink so. just, I think, started doing it last oh, year. Okay, so let's yes. look at that one for yes. you. But yes. okay, uh, yeah, national awards. Yes, I think that's a big part of if you're doing Kansas City versus. Um, okay, you. You say uh, you really focus on having a good company, what that culture looks like. Kind of walk me through how you started and where you've ended and some of those lessons that you've learned in between of the company culture. Yeah, um, it's a great question. I really, I could talk about this all day. Um, so I do believe it starts at the top. I do believe the attitude that I walk in the building with matters. It matters that you know people, you know their life, you know a little bit about their children. It it matters that you tell them to have fun at work. And I mean, you're not going to all be best friends at work, but um, we have happy hour every Thursday. We try to celebrate what we call yay moments. Tell me every team, tell me something good that's going on. How many people work for you? Uh, I think we're at 33, okay. 35 right now. We that's have a, a couple positions open right now. <laughs> so do um, we. What do we find these people right now, right? <laughs> I know. We need to find, we need to find good people. Um, so I think recognizing people internally matters. So we, we have a couple internal awards that we do, Rookie of the Year, Paddler of the Year, just okay. people that have been outstanding. Um, I think also culturally it's very important to get rid of people when they're not working out and they're toxic as fast as you can get them. What, I, what we say is get them off the bus. If I have to talk about an employee three times in three different meetings that that is indicative of me to me that they're not a fit for us and realize just because they're not a fit for your organization doesn't mean they're a bad person or anything Mm -hmm. that they're just not a fit they they're not thinking the way we think they don't move the way we move Um, we move really fast at lion share and i really do have the goal of work hard and play hard Go home at 5 o'clock. Go to your kids' soccer games and basketball games and, and be a family. Go make dinner with your family. And we leave at 4 on Fridays. Get your weekend started early. And yeah. that, that started years ago. It was a beautiful summer day. I said, summer hours, let's go home at 4 o'clock today. And then the next Friday, it was the same thing. And then summer hours just turned into we you, close at 4 on Fridays. Does everyone come in the office? 
Um, most people come in the office okay. today. Wednesday's um, a, a fairly remote day, and it was icy today, so some people didn't. But usually, your business model we, is we try. Yep. Okay. Yep. I think a lot of marketing companies have tried to go to work from home, and we found that that doesn't work for us for collaboration reasons. Well, right? that, that's the main reason is the collaboration. Yeah. Yes. And if you have, I think, a marketing company, so we have an odd mix because we have data. Mm-hmm. We have a data team and programmers. They're very different than the marketers, yeah. right? They're very 100%. different personalities. Um, I think it's a good mix, though, because those folks that are a little bit more introverted get pulled out a little bit by the folks that are less introverted, more extroverted. So. I I think the mixing is good. Um, How early on, and I I imagine you don't have this problem very much anymore, but how early on, one of the toughest lessons I'm still learning is um, becoming friends with my employees because I do genuinely like the people that I hire. But it gets tricky when you're their friend, right? So balancing being their boss and friendly is what I've been told. How did you navigate that and how do you do that? Um, so, A, I'm really direct. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I do believe that communication is the problem and communication is the fix. And we say that all the time at LionShare, all of our alignment meetings, which is what we call them. We talk about communication. You have to communicate in order to fix anything. So it starts, usually the conversation is, Aaron, um, we need to talk about feed forward. We don't say feedback. We talk about feed forward. Here's the problem. Here's what I'm seeing. We need a solution for this. Because if you don't talk about it, it's not going to get fixed. And I'm just really comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. I've done a lot of training around it. I've listened to tapes around it. Was it tougher earlier? Is that um, I think I think it's yeah. Um, it's been a lifelong desire to learn how to be a better communicator. Yeah. I actually um, think it was harder early on because I didn't understand that the softness had to come with the directness. I just thought, hey, let's just be really direct. It'll be easy. Well, it's not easy for other people to hear that directness. Yeah. So you have to find a way to soften it. You seem like you'd be a blast to work for. Right. I have a lot of longevity. I have a lot of people that have been there a long time and several people that have left and come back. How long has your longest employee been there? Um, 23 years. So how long before starting did you get an employee? She's my best friend. Oh, wow. And And she was having, she had had children. She was a lighting designer and I asked her to come in and help me with filing and getting plants for this little office that I rented. And she came in and never left. And uh-huh. so I started the company August 3rd, 20, or 1995. And she was officially on the payroll January 1st, the next year. And she's still there. She's oh, wow. the business manager. She does a lot internally and um, in management and all of the accounting and bookkeeping. So, yeah. Nice. She's That's a, nice and then to have the, someone you trust doing And then that. the next is probably um, 18 years, 19 years, Sarah. Wow. And then Lisa was there 15 years left, and she came back last year. So I have, I have a lot of – there's others that have been there a long time. Have you ever watched the show Empire? I haven't. Okay. The reason I ask you this is because um, their logo on Empire looks a lot like your logo. Oh, it does? Obviously, oh. you've had yours for a lot longer. Yes. But um, because when he started it, he Maybe wanted, there's a copyright he issue. Wanted to, <laughs> he wanted to be the big yes. the big guy, the lion yes. guy, right? That took everything over. So um, that's kind of what it, the lion share part reminds yes. me of. That's one of my favorite shows because they have a woman that ends up taking over his wife, right? But it's like the weird balance of... 
being a family and then when they add a board and all yes. that sort of stuff and you guys don't have a board at your yeah we have a very small board you, yes you do have yep. a board how long before you implemented a board um, it was almost immediate because it was recommended by my accountant and my attorney. So, and is it just an advisory board? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, but we do board meetings and we have them quarterly and we make decisions and yes. But you did it from the beginning. From the beginning. Do you think that played a big part in your success? Um, I think a big part of the success is or a part of you having Ian tell me get a good attorney get a great accountant and a great banker. Yeah. And if you're starting a business, I would I would say that to everybody. Have a good banker, a good accountant and a good attorney. Nice. Okay, so that kind So of- I just I was lucky enough. I was fortunate to have been there while Ian and his um, two friends grew their company. Yeah. Okay, what's get to, so they kind of usually my last question is if you have any advice of people starting a business and they want the longevity that you've had, right? The success yes. that you've had. Um, besides that tip you just gave us, which is, sounds like the number one tip, what's another tip that you would say? Get get comfortable being uncomfortable. I mean, you're, you're the picker. You are the decision maker and um, get comfortable with that. And then also really understand what your special things are that you bring to the team. So really what I am is I'm a salesperson mm-hmm. and I'm very comfortable talking and communicating. What I'm not as comfortable with are all the details. So I need to be paired with someone that is good with the details. So I want to, I get excited. I'm passionate. I want to start things. I don't want to finish them. I'm ready to go start something else. So that, that's perfect. That's awesome. But, but the advice I'm giving is find someone who's a finisher. So my best friend, Lori Holt, is definitely a finisher. So we can talk about how to get things moving, and then she can take that and get it moving, and I can go and find something else. That's pretty awesome to that start. you guys were able to be best friends and work together. Yeah, and, and, and we adore each other. Like it's we're, we giggle. I think that's normal. We story, giggle right? all the time. Yes. What's yes. long term plan with the business? I'll sell it someday. I'm sure. Daughter um, doesn't want to take it over. No, no, <laughs> no plans for that. Um, yeah, at some point. I'm not. I'm not anywhere near done yet. But yeah. But one day. Yeah. When you're done. When I'm done. And then you'll probably just start something else, right? Yeah. I'm a starter. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it so much. Uh, that is it for this week's cocktail hour. Do you want to hear from your favorite local businesswoman? Do you know a woman in business who has shaken shit up? Send your recommendations to Hey Girl at cocktailhourpodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and share our podcast with your friends. We share our stories to motivate and inspire you, so spread the love around. Until next time, I'm Erin Folk. Keep your class and your glass raised, and we'll see you at the next cocktail hour. Thanks, Laura Lee. Thanks, Erin. It was fun. <laughs>